Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. We're bringing you another episode of our podcast, and once again, we are live from Cupertino, California. Another great episode coming your way, the Rapid Roundup, the NBA playoffs, an update for that, and the postmortem series as usual. So uh, let's just get right into it. Jeff, Rapid Roundup, take it away. All right, all right. This week in Rapid Roundup, starting off, we have... Paul Pierce, the truth, is retiring from the NBA after an illustrious 15-year NBA career. What do you think he will be most remembered for? It didn't have to be this way, but I think he'll be remembered most for his wheelchair game in Game 1, which was awesome. But, you know, apart from being KG's sidekick, he will be most remembered for those great battles he had with LeBron in the playoffs before LeBron joined the Heat. Early on in LeBron's career, those were some great battles in the playoffs. Yeah, I think he's one of the few trash talkers the truth and the nba his his voice will definitely be missed i love that moving on the new big three league is forming uh it's a three-on-three league created by ice cube which will be premiering this summer on fox news there's going to be eight teams with notable coaches and players some of them are included are hall of famer dr j helen everson and clyde drexler which team do you guys like the most and why I think I like the Killer Threes. They have great leadership with Chauncey Billups and Steven Jackson. I think they can go a long way. One name. Kwame Brown and the three-headed monsters are going <laughs> to win this. And their coach is Gary Payton. I love that. Defensive-minded, physical. It's going to be awesome. By the way, what is Dr. J doing in this league? I mean, doesn't he have better things to do? <laughs> he must owe Ice Cube a favor or something. Seriously. <laughs> but yeah, the three-headed killers also have... White Chocolate Jason Williams. I would love to watch him play. Hopefully he does that behind the back elbow pass. Kwame and Jason Williams. Yeah, like Kobe and Shaq, huh? Uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely up there in those duos. Okay. Next, we have Lonzo Ball is in the news again Jesus this week. Jesus Christ, man. This guy is really uh, He cool. released a $500 signature shoe and $220 flip-flops. Thoughts? I definitely will not be buying any of his merchandise, but hey... If Nike wants to overprice sneakers and Adidas wants to overprice sneakers, why can't Lonzo and the big baller brand do so? 
Listen, man, I mean, I wish all the best for Alonzo. I hope he's a great player, but he's got to play some games before all of this crap. I mean, $495 for a pair of shoes. By the way, you guys hear about that? They have a $1,000 edition of the shoes, too. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, let's, let's talk about something else. So this week, Adrian Wojnarowski was hired as the lead NBA analyst, columnist, guru, everything NBA. Um, this is, comes after ESPN fired over 100 employees last week. What does this mean for ESPN? I think it means great things for ESPN. He's sort of the jack of all trades, and but he's a master of all trades as well. So it's a great move for ESPN. Woj is the most NBA, most credible NBA Twitter guy out there. I mean, when you want NBA information, NBA rumors and trades, you go to Woj. So it's a great move for ESPN. Yep. Uh, speaking of Woj bombs, he dropped one that ESPN or that Atlanta Hawks are relieving GM Wes Wilcox from his duties and Mike Budenholzer is stepping down from the front office position and just being a full-time coach. Uh, which direction are the Hawks headed toward? I'm not really sure. It's really ambiguous, but I think they're looking to tear things down and uh, prepare for rebuilding in the future. And another year, another crapshoot for the Hawks, and they're going to do the same thing again. I don't see anything changing there. All right. So also in the news is Tony Parker. He had a season-ending injury this past week. Uh, it's going to be a huge gap to fill. Um, which point guard do you think should, or player do you think should start for the Spurs? I think it should be some combination of DeJounte Murray and Kyle Anderson. I think that's the direction the Spurs should go, and I think Pop can figure it out. First of all, I just want to say Tony Parker, that really sucks, especially at his age at 34. That could really change his career. Very sad. Very yeah, sad. very sad. But how about Jonathan Simmons starting in the lineup? Maybe not as the point guard, but in the lineup. When you switch those pick and rolls, I mean, you, you when you play the pick and roll against the Rockets, you don't have to, you switch, but you know, it's convenient because you got athleticism and height now in the lineup. All right, another aging superstar, Dwayne Wade, has the option to opt out of his contract uh, this offseason. Uh, one of his quotes is, is uh, I don't need a ring chase, but I can. It's a great luxury to have. Um, if you were him, which 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 uh, team would you go on? I think I would just stay with the Bulls. He's been ring chasing his entire career. He's taking less salary his entire career. I think this is the time where he can cash in. How about the Spurs? How about you take over Ginobili's role? Six man off the bench? I, I like that idea. Go to the Spurs. You can win a ring. I like the idea. Yeah. It's, excite it's exciting to see where he goes. But this concludes this week's Rapid Roundup. Hope to see you guys again next week. Great. Great Rapid Roundup, Jeff, as always. And um, yeah, see you next week. So he's still here, Guru. Uh, the segment. <laughs> all right, all right, Maroon. Let's move on to all right. Yes, let's the go playoffs. On. Let's go on. And the first topic we're going to series going to talk about are the Raptors and the Cavs. Surprise, surprise. Shame, shame. Guys, the Cavaliers are up three nothing on the Raptors, and I, I don't know what how, what to say and uh, how how to start this conversation, but. I guess a topic we can talk about, a question we can bring up, are the Cavs better than they were last year at this time? And have the Cavs solved their defensive woes? I definitely think they're better from last year. You, They have a much better bench, and they have so much, so many more shooters. I mean, Kyle Korver is there, Darren Williams coming off the waiver wire. They got a really good bench, and they've played great defense against the Raptors so far. Now, I don't know if that defense holds against a three-point shooting team like the Warriors, 
but it's a promising sign if you're the Cavs. And not to mention LeBron is shooting the three like a three-point shooter. He's shooting yeah. 48% from three-point line in the playoffs. God damn, if he does that for the entire playoffs, uh, that's, they're going to be an unstoppable machine. So great signs for the Cavs. I think they're definitely better than last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any arguing. They're definitely better. They have better players. They're adding Kyle Korver, which is great for spreading the floor, which is exactly the type of player they want around LeBron. And also, like, like Bruin said, getting Darren Williams for nothing. For nothing. It's just... Off the waiver. Yeah. No doubt. They're better. I guess now the question is, why are the Raptors losing? And, uh, I mean... <sighs> shame, shame. Can the Raptors take a game? One game? Listen, you know, the Raptors, I, I, I admit I picked them to lose in seven. So I said they would win three games. I'm clearly wrong about that. But what the hell is wrong with the Raptors? It's like, I don't even know if they want to play against the Cavs. If you look at game one, when they stepped into that stadium, they were scared shitless. I mean, they looked like they just wanted to leave. They did not play with the right mentality. They just did not play like the Raptors. And I'm very disappointed in how this series has gone. And I do admit that the Cavs are very dominant, and that's part of the reason why. But the Raptors, man, it's 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 a shame to watch this. I think there definitely needs to be something that needs to be done. Like every time you watch the Raptors game, you don't know which Raptors team exactly. you're gonna get, and that has to come from somewhere, and someone has to be blamed for this. And I think you know, I think Dwayne Casey's time is is up. He just got a new contract, but that's definitely on the coach. Like them them coming out with like inconsistent. It's a good point. Yeah, and not really having a good flow of offense, not making the adjustments. Not really having a plan, really. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a microcosm of the, of the entire series is when LeBron started doing his little free throw motion on Serge Ibaka at the three-point line and just shot a three in his face. Ah, the disrespect. That, yeah, the disrespect. Man, if you're the Raptors, if you're Ibaka, you shove LeBron out of bounds. You do something. Yeah. You get your team hyped up. You get into the game. You got to do something. You can't face that disrespect and not do anything. That's ridiculous. All right, all right. So I think we've done enough Cavs and Raptors talk for this show. Let's, let's By the way, I just before you move on, I just want to pose the question: Do Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan are they a good fit together? Because they play very different paces. I just you know maybe a question to ponder for the future. I mean, I think they're a good fit in the regular season. They just don't turn it on in the playoffs for whatever reason, and I don't understand it. They're very inconsistent. Yeah, it, I, yeah, it, I'm lost for words. Like Demar Derozan at the beginning of the season, you, he was like the next Kobe replacement. Vintage after, Kobe. After these playoff performance, like. Yeah, he had that one, like yeah. that really bad game in game two. The the summer rankings of, you know, top 100 players, he's going to be back in that 40 area again, I, th I, I think. He's moved down my list, yeah. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Okay, okay, so now let's move on to another series, probably a parallel series in the Western Conference, the Jazz and the Warriors, guys. So the Jazz have had their moments, but they're down to nothing. And this, the Warriors are just showing off their dominance in every way, shape, and fo or form. And... Uh, the series is going back to Utah now. Can the Jazz make it a series? Can the Jazz take one game in Utah? I, if they were to take one game, which I, I, I think I predicted that they'd sweep. I mean, there's not much to show that they, they won't get swept. But if they were to, to take one game, they would have to ch the control the pace of the game. Slow the game down. Every time the Warriors go on one of those spurts, you got to stop them immediately, whether it's you know calling a timeout or maybe trying to you know foul more or you know, hold the ball longer. Something like that. But yeah, that's their only chance, I think. What do you think? I mean, despite it being 2-0, there have been you know some promising signs. I mean, there have been spurts where the Jazz looked like it would, they would make it a game. And, you know, like in game two, there was a point where they were only down by six. 
And so there are some promising signs, but the, yes, I agree with you completely. They have to slow the pace down. I think George Hill needs to take a lot more shots. In game one, he only took nine shots. Game two, he didn't play. But if he plays in game three and game four, he's got to take, I think, at least 15 shots. I think George Hill was key there. Make Steph Curry work on the defensive end. Yeah, and if you look at the Warriors' road record, uh, I mean, record on the road, they've won one road game for the past three years in the playoffs. So they're not um, averse. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they're not averse to playing on the road in the playoffs. So I think this is, a. I mean, it could Utah could take a game, but I predict a Warriors sweep for sure. Okay. What do you guys think? Uh, man, I said I said Warriors in six. Um, damn, this is tough. I, I, I'd say Warriors in five now. I think I'll give Utah one game. I stick with a sweep. They're too dominant, I think. All right, guys. So uh, moving on, let's talk about probably the, the most interesting series that's going on right now. The Boston Celtics and the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Guys. Best series so far in the playoffs, in my opinion. I'd have to agree with you. And most competitive. the reason why, it's great TV, guys. The, the series has been extremely chippy. A lot of technical fouls, a lot of ejections, and maybe a suspension. Kelly Oubre, who knows? Is this type of series good or bad? For the overall NBA product, though. It is great. This is the NBA playoffs. This is playoff basketball. The physicality, the chippiness, the shoving and the pushing, the elbows, all of that is great. I love it. It's tough. It's physical. This is what NBA playoff basketball is. And this is why it's the best series by far. This is, why, this is how all playoff series have to be. Physical and tough. Yeah, we'll have to see how, if if Kelly Oubre gets uh, one game or maybe more suspension. Uh, I think definitely, yeah, this has been the most exciting series because of that. But a largely, largely, I don't think it's that a problem because the NBA has it under control. The players who get technicals know generally the consequences because the NBA has been generally pretty consistent. Uh, so yeah, it, it's definitely, yeah, it's exciting. I think it makes for great TV until very important players like John Wall or Isaiah Thomas get into a fight or get ejected or get suspended. You know, sort of like what Draymond Green did last year against OKC and then, and then against Cleveland. I think you have to uh, prevent the series from getting into the referees or the NBA's hand. And you need to control your emotions a little bit. I think Kelly Oubre went a little bit overboard by pushing Kelly Olenek. But hey, it's great TV and I'm certainly enjoying it. Listen, man, I mean, John Wall and Isaiah, they're the ones who said, you got to keep your head in the game. You got to keep cool while you're playing. I don't think there's going to be a problem with them getting ejected, but even if they do, man, I mean, yeah. they'll probably have a good reason for <laughs> punching somebody. But I did. I, I think the enemy should stay out of it. This is a great series. Let it go as it is. And speaking of Isaiah Thomas, 53 point, point game. game. Yeah. What do you guys think? Now, look, he's five feet nine. That's remarkable for a five foot nine. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that's definitely like unprecedented, never seen before. He's getting a lot of help from, you know, carrying the ball, according to, to you know, Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, well, there might be some smaller guards. To that. Yeah, smaller guards do carry the ball. That's yeah. true. They do just some carrying. But, but and yeah, it was on his sister's birthday, too, by the way. Yeah, great story. And obviously something to follow as we move on in the postseason. So on to the next question I have for you guys. So this is actually not related to any of the playoff teams in the playoffs right now, it's pertaining to the Los Angeles Clippers, guys. So after an, another early round exit and an impending free agency, and you have, you have these core players, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, 
uh, in free agency, J.J. Redick, should the Clippers blow it up and start over or keep their core intact? Uh, this is a very big question. Probably the million-dollar question. What do you think, Varun? Okay. It's, you know, when you look at the Clippers, they haven't won a lot. And it's easy to say, blow it up, start over. But let's look at the real problem. The real problem in the Clipper organization is Doc Rivers. He's the issue. Get rid of him as a coach and as a president. Doc Rivers, when he was with the Celtics with that great team of KG, Rondo, Pierce, and Allen, he underachieved. He only got one championship with that core. That was a great core. And not to mention that Kendrick Perkins was a top 10 center at the time. It was a, such a fantastic core, and he only won one championship with them. But, I think he underachieved as a coach then. He's underachieving as a coach now. But yeah, go ahead, Jeff. But yeah, the, those, those are also not all because of him, though. There were injuries during the playoffs, during key moments where, you know, prevented them from winning. Just wanted to point that out. There, there was one year where KG was injured. And I mean, I think if he wasn't injured, they probably would have won that year. But there were other years where they had opportunities, and they, I think they should have won. And one more thing I want to point out about Doc Rivers. As a GM slash president of the Clippers, he's had a pretty terrible uh, record. I mean, I, I just wanted to bring up that I don't necessarily agree with firing him as the head coach, but he should definitely be fired as a GM because he's made some terrible decisions. He's been, he traded one first round pick for Jeff Green. He traded another first round pick to get rid of uh, what, what's his name? Uh, no idea. This guy's someone's contract. It's not. It's not about popping up in my head right now. I can't help you there. But he, he plays for the Phoenix Suns. Jared Dudley. He okay. traded a first round pick to get rid of Jared Dudley's contract. Absolutely inexcusable and. That's what you need, right? When you have a big three and you already have one of the best starting fives in the NBA, you need supporting cast players to carry you through some moments in the postseason. And I don't think Doc Rivers really understands that. And some of his player evaluation um, tactics are really questionable. For example, when he signed Josh Smith in the one, during one offseason, one thing he said does, oh, I love the way he performed in game, game six against us. And I just I wanted to bring that to our team. And I'm just like, that's something that I would have said. Right, and I'm nowhere close to being an NBA GM. So who are you to be in that general manager position? Listen, man, I mean, one thing to know is that when you spend so much money on your star players, you need to find role players somewhere else. And he hasn't found many good role players. He's relying on old dudes like Raymond Felton and these other guys, Jamal Crawford, Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers, I mean, he's, they gave him a big contract and he's not that great. But the one thing I want to point he's, out... He's not, he's not that bad. He had a career year, but I don't think it's worth the money he's getting. And one thing I want to point out, none of his draft picks have panned out. I mean, when you're a good team, you got to rely on your draft picks, you know, to get some good players. And you need the draft picks too. None of them have panned out. Like, do you know any good player the Clippers drafted when Doc Rivers was there? None. I don't know anyone. Yeah, I think we all, yeah, we all generally agree. Yeah, Doc Rivers as a GM was not as good. But let's focus on him as a coach because... He has taken a more of a backseat role with Lawrence Frank being more of the, the operations, the basketball operations guy. Really? Well, yeah. The, the last year, Lawrence Frank was hired as more of the scouting, you know, the drafting guy. And he put himself as more of the coach role. Um, but, but Doc's got final say. Yeah, but he... Makes a huge yeah, difference. Does, I mean, I don't know how Doc's personality like is. So. Vivek has, you know, final yeah. say on the Kings, which yeah. kind of screwed their franchise. But anyways, going back to Doc... Um, I think another issue is that as a coach, he wears his emotions on his sleeves a lot during the game. And that's not good for his team, which contains Chris Paul, Blake, you know, all those players that, you know, they need a coach to balance the player out. 
Uh, Chris Paul is very vocal, very, you know, shows his emotion. Uh, they need a coach that's more calm to, you know, balance, you know, make sure, keep Chris Paul in check. Because a lot of times I feel like, especially in the playoffs, uh, Chris Paul can go overboard and, you know, his emotions get the better of him, just like with Gordon Hayward. So you think that Doc should not be there as a coach either? I think Doc is, might not be the best fit. I think I don't think he's a horrible coach. It just, for Chris Paul, you know, I think they, they could be better. Do they blow it up or do they keep it? Uh, do they? Blow? I think they should blow up uh, one way or the another. Um, the players just don't seem ha- happy uh, playing together. Uh, based on like JJ Reddick's podcast, he he's been said like you know they clearly have some you know issues on the court um, in terms of just so just so which guys which, which guys got to go? Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, <sighs> or all of them? JJ Reddick. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that JJ Reddick is on his way out. He wants, but he he's he's looking for options. Yeah, right. looking for a lot of money too. Right. 18 million to 20 million like who knows if he's worth it but i mean he can shoot he's average over 40 percent from three that's that's valuable and three point shooting NBA. is very valuable in today's yeah. nba but so. but despite all this chris paul's already verbally agreed to a fire contract 200 million and he's getting paid with a new cba yeah like, significantly he's making a lot more. of money yeah. and the clippers want to resign blair griffin so uh, whatever okay another year of mediocrity i guess all right so enough with the clippers Let's go on to the next topic. That's we're going to talk about the Spurs and, and the Rockets in a different facet. Which remaining team that that is the Spurs or the Rockets gives the Warriors the biggest challenge in a potential Western Conference final matchup, guys? So, Jeff, I think they both provide their own unique challenge, but I think uh, especially with the new injury to Tony Parker, I think the Rockets just have more firepower uh, potential to outshoot the Warriors one game with threes, you know, because the Warriors like to play and generally tend to play a fast-paced style. So do the Rockets, you know. Uh, they can, The Rockets could get hot if one game or two and potentially take it. But I think both teams are going to lose, but I just think the Rockets can take more games. I disagree. I think the Spurs pose a bigger challenge. I understand game one was bad, but game two they blew the Rockets out. Right. Game one, I think game one was more of a outlier. Yes. I, because I think the mm. reasons they won the sorry, lost game one was because poor transition defense and not passing the ball around a lot. They were doing a lot of ISO plays in game one. Game two, they went back to old Spurs basketball and they blew out the Rockets. The Spurs are also a lot more athletic this year. You know, Dwayne Dedman is a much more athletic big man there. They got Pau Gasol, who's very versatile. Jonathan Simmons who's taking a bigger role. He's pretty athletic. They got some good players, and not to mention Kawhi Leonard, who's ascended to the next level of stardom, a superstar. Every year, too. Yeah. Every year, and a lockdown player. So I think I think the Spurs pose the biggest challenge. Now, I think it'll, they'll make it a competitive series against the Warriors without, with or without Tony, well, I guess without Tony Parker now that we learned, but I think they can make it a competitive series with the Warriors. And if that happens, should they face the Warriors? You know, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not gonna saying the Warriors are booked to beat them, but it'll be an interesting series. I also think the Spurs pose the biggest challenge, not because the Spurs are necessarily better than the Rockets. I just think that the Spurs have a contrasting style in which they can, uh, they can, play, they can play their style and still beat the Warriors. The Rockets have been known to be a running gun three-point shooting team, but the Warriors are still the king of run and gun and three-point shooting, and you do not want to play that way against the Warriors and because they'll just beat you on the defensive end and on the offensive end as well. So I just think the Spurs will want to slow it down more, bring it to a grinding halt, bring Kawhi Leonard as more of an ISO player, and I think that contrasting style would provide some issue for the Warriors. And 
I don't think the Rockets propose as much of a challenge because of what I just said, because of the contrasting style. So Spurs are definitely the tougher matchup, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I, the one concern I have with the Spurs is the way LaMarcus has been playing recently. He's averaging been terrible. like 13 points per game, seven rebounds, completely underperforming. He definitely needs to step it up for the Spurs to have more threats if they want to slow it down because they, they need to be able to throw him in the post and, and get, you know, a bucket. That's very true. That's very true. But LaMarcus Aldridge is the second best player. If he's not producing, then... That's a huge blow to their offense. That's a huge blow to their offense. And, yeah. Really? And I, the, the key also is, remember, you want to beat the Warriors, you got to play great defense. You have to stop them from scoring. And which team has that defense? It's the Spurs. That is one of the key factors. Their defense is very good. And it can give the Warriors trouble in the series. Yeah, I, I saw the regular season games with the Rockets and the Warriors, and the Rockets just let the Warriors cut and and, and like chop them up into pieces uh, on the offensive end. When you're talking about the Rockets' defense, so yeah. yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from there. So that's our Q and A for this week, guys, and for the post mortem. Wait, let's talk about oh, one oh, more thing. One more thing, guys. One more thing. One more thing. I'm very sorry. We're going to talk about the MVP of the playoffs so far. So, guys, what do you think? Who do you think is the MVP of the playoffs so far, given all the matchups that have been had, that have been played? Is there even a debate? Have you guys seen LeBron James? The stats he's been putting up, the record of their team. He's averaging 35 points, almost 35 points per game. As wow, of, just busting out that notebook, Jeff. Over nine rebounds, <laughs> over seven assists. <laughs> 2.7 steals and Damn. shooting 57% from field goal and 48 from three point. And his that's, team yeah, really has impressive. an undefeated record. Like, how can you pick anyone else? Like, clearly, he's the reason, you know, he is the greatest player in the NBA right now, in the playoffs at least. Group. Well, I certainly cannot argue with LeBron. Definitely a good choice and definitely has some great stats to back it up. But I'm going to go with Draymond Green. And the reason is he's yeah, he's he's contributing on both ends, both on both offensively and defensively. Offensively, he's shooting 50% from field goal from from the field, 54% from 3. That's unprecedented. Averaging 15.5 points a game and he's bringing it on the defensive end as well. Um averaging 3.3 blocks, 2.2 steals, just bringing it, got switching continuously onto guards, onto big men. And he's showing why he was the defensive player of the year. Also averaging seven assists. I think he's just doing it all for the team. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think they sweep the Blazers. And I don't think they're up to nothing on the Jazz as well. So he's definitely a huge part of their team. Draymond Green, MVP of the playoffs. Draymond's been really remarkable. I agree. I still think they sweep the Blazers with or without Draymond. Jazz may be not as bad, but you know, I still think they sweep the Blazers without Draymond. Hmm. But I disagree with both of you. What? <laughs> surprise, surprise. John Wall. Remarkable. You're Just not going to go with Isaiah Thomas? Uh, you know, I, he had a great 53-point game, but I have to look at all, all the games, right? And right. Isaiah Thomas has been a little inconsistent. John Wall. What a remarkable playoffs he's had. Let me give you the stats. 29 points. 29 and a half points, sorry. 10 assists. Almost two steals a game, 52% from the field goals, 47% from the three-point range for a guy who does not shoot threes. That's remarkable. And John, I mean, you think the Wizards would even be in the second round if it weren't for John Wall? 
I mean, they would have lost to the Hawks. They wouldn't even be in the playoffs. They wouldn't be. They would have lost to the Hawks in five. Mm-hmm. If yeah. John Wall did not play like this in the season, he's barred up another notch in the playoffs. And I think I have to give it to him, man. It's it's been remarkable. I mean, the only way that they're down two one to the Celtics, and the only way they beat the Celtics is if John Wall plays like he's playing right now. And signs show that he'll play like that for this series. So I got to give it to John Wall. Yeah, and he's had a couple of big defensive plays as well. Yeah. How many blocks is he averaging? I I did not look that up. I think he was averaging the same because Draymond is averaging a historic amount. He's at at three point three blocks per game. Remarkable. He's always at the rim or on the perimeter. Like he's all over the place. Draymond Green. He's making a lot of highlight plays. I would I would have him more of the best defensive player in the playoff, but not the MVP uh, after LeBron. But that's just personal choice. Yeah, I mean the the reason I didn't pick LeBron, I I see that I see why you pick LeBron. I just think I, I wanted to pick somebody new, somebody who's actually carrying their team. To a place where you haven't seen it before, right? We see LeBron do this every year, so we're not surprised. John Wall, I mean, I did not expect this, right? This was unexpected, the way he's played. That's why I picked John Wall. But what is impressing me about LeBron the most in these playoffs is how he's facilitating, getting everybody involved. And, of course, when you have three-point shooters all around you like that, it's very easy. But when when you're a superstar and you want to be involved yourself, it's very difficult to be... Uh, a facilitator in that in that respect but lebron is doing a great job of that yeah and he's just uh, i think he's just at the point where he's mentally peaking like back then back in like oh nine he still wasn't there but right now he just knows exactly what to do who to pass to when to shoot you know he just he just knows everything so it's it's fun all times to player. watch lebron yeah. best player in the nba i don't think we all yeah i, just, I don't think we disagree no, i don't disagree yeah. i don't okay so now the q a is over and we're going to the post-mortem series. Which with, is more Q&A. Which, which is... <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, I'll, I'll take it over from here, Guru. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Guru. That was a good segment. I like that segment. All right. All right. Post-mortem. We changed it up a little bit this time. Instead of giving you a long-ass summary, a boring, long-ass, boring summary, I'm just going to pose a question for each team we do. We're doing Pistons and Pelicans. One question for the Pistons. One question for the Pelicans. Pistons, all right, they had a pretty promising season last year, and they faced the Cavs in the first round of the playoffs. It was a very competitive sweep, right? I mean, it was pretty competitive for a sweep. Right. And after that sweep, a lot of people felt the Pistons would take a very big step forward, maybe a top four seed in the East. But, uh uh-oh, guess what? They fell down and they missed the playoffs. Remarkable how things change in one year. Reggie Jackson was underwhelming. Andre Drummond, I, it looks like he's hit his peak. He's only 25, but I don't know if he's getting any better. He's 25? Oh, is he 20? Is he younger? He's younger, right? He's younger, yeah. Sorry. Oops. I was playing NBA 2K17. I was doing franchise mode, so oh, dude. in that, he's like 25 <laughs> or 26. Like, when did he turn 25? He's, yeah. he's 23 years old. He's, okay, 23. He's, he's like our, around oh, our age. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's still really young, but yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to get any better. Hmm. I guess my question is, I mean, who's to blame for the Pistons' fall that they had this year? And if you're in charge of the Pistons... If you're the GM or the president, how do you fix this team? How do you bring them back to relevancy? I don't think it's anyone's fault necessarily. I just think that Reggie Jackson got hurt at the beginning of the year. And then Schmidt started to start the season. And then when Reggie Jackson came back, they were unable to bring Reggie Jackson back into that lineup. But yeah, the last couple of weeks for the Detroit Pistons, when they were still fighting for that playoff spot, were just terrible. Reggie Jackson was basically DNP, CD, Ish Smith was starting, and the team really Much lacked direction. 
I heard that Kentavious Caldwell Pope is a free agent, and I think they should re-sign him. I think he's a really good three and D guy. Today's NBA very valuable. But yeah, what do you do with Reggie Jackson? How how do you how do you fix that? You don't. I mean, I think that large part is like the previous organize a uh, previous management. Uh, they're still trying to fix that. Um, but I think Stan Van Gunny has a vision, had a vision on the coming in. He was the one who built the Dwight Howard team that got to the finals. I think he's gonna. He needs more time to build it, build what team he wants to play his style because he's. I think he has control over over the yeah. basketball operations. Like the rock. roster, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we just need to give him a, a few more years. Uh, and, and Reggie Jackson, yes, he had a down year, but the injury was a huge part of it. He might have some personality issues, but I think, I think he's. I think he's. He's not as bad. He can live up to his contract in the future. We'll see. I disagree. Listen, I I don't get the fascination with giving the coach. The control over the front office. I don't get it. I, in the NBA, I, don't I agree know if it with works. you on that. I agree with you I on think, that. I, I think, think, yeah, I think works. you find a true GM to take over for the Pistons. You relinquish that role if you're Stan Van Gundy. Just focus on coaching. And to your point, Jeff, like he's trying to do that Dwight Howard thing, you know. So I think Andre Drummond is Dwight Howard in this case, and he's surrounded with shooters. Right? I think that's what he's trying to do. I mean, that's what it looks like. Not really. Not really. In a way. He, trying to get more I think talent. He might but, be. Yeah. He might. Maybe yeah. he'd be aiming for that three-point shooters. That's how he started in the beginning, but. Reggie Jackson, like, what the hell, dude? Like, this guy just fell off a cliff. Like, literally, I don't know what happened with this game. And I think if you're Stan Van Gundy, you go to Reggie and say, Reggie, I'm benching you. Until you do something, until you show your old self, you're playing behind Ish Smith for next season. Mm. You got to do it. I mean, Ish Smith has played so much better. And they've played better with Ish Smith, by the way. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. And um, Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Okay, you say re-sign him. If the Nets come and offer him a max, do you match it? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, you do. Okay, well, I, think, I, I I would disagree there. I, I think I don't think he's worth max a max. Contract. Reggie Jackson was on my fantasy team, so I tried to catch as many Piston games as possible. And Kentavious Caldwell Pope really stuck out to me as the three three and D guy. Plays guards the best defensive player on the perimeter for the uh, on the other team and shoots a lot of threes and makes a good percentage of them. So I think he's really invaluable in that respect. Okay. But another thing that I want to bring up, they have to bring Stanley Johnson into the fold at definitely, some point. Definitely. I agree. He, he's so talented. I think in the in his rookie season, he showed a lot of potential. But, uh, you know, in that account series, actually, he, he had him and LeBron had some stuff there, right? Some tussles he, back and forth. He played pretty he good on LeBron. Some, he said some things, comments that LeBron uh, kind of brushed off. He played yeah. decent defense on LeBron, too. He said. He, he did a decent job on LeBron, too. For I mean, no one can guard him. But I'm just saying that I think uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, if he's offered a max, you, you let him go. I don't think you sign him. Mm. I, I don't care if he's young or not. He's not worth that max contract. And Andre what, Drummond... But what is a max contract worth in today's NBA? That, that is also another question. Sure, but I, I guess my point is, I, I think you use that cap space on other players or better players. Maybe you sign some better free agents. There are some good free agents out there, like Paul Millsap. You know, he'd be a good addition to the Pistons if they have the cap space. Gordon Hayward. You get some better players there, like because the Pistons have a pretty decent roster in terms of role players. They need a number one score. I think that's it, and they got a good bench. Okay, yes, Guru. Yes, yes, yes. I'm hurrying it up. That they got a pretty good bench. I, they just need a, you know, a, I think a number one score. I think that's all the Pistons need. They don't need to blow it up. They got a good, solid young nucleus. Just get a number one score. A number one playmaker. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Agreed. All right. Next. Number two. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> the Pelicans. All right. The Pelicans made a lot of news this year. Blockbuster trade for DeMarcus Cousins. 
I didn't see that coming. When uh, when Woj broke it out, I was like, holy crap, is this a joke? I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I was so I mean, so the Kings shocking. denied it. The Kings denied it at first. I was like, okay. Yeah. And it so just no kept one coming and coming. It. Yeah. Probably no one the, expected that. The biggest that. surprise of this whole season, probably. By far. Yeah. 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 And uh, initially, it didn't look like it was going to be a great fit. But in the final stretch season, final stretch run of the season, they played pretty well together. And they showed the potential of their tag team. So my question is, how good do you think the Pelicans will be? Uh, how good do you think they will be next year? And what pieces do they need to add to be a, a championship contender? You know, to put them on, on the likes of the Warriors, Spurs, Rockets. Can mm. they get to that level? Uh, not with one piece. Right. <laughs> so, as you stated, they have an all-star front, all-star front line with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. But they need to do a couple of things to catapult them into a playoff team. Number one, they need to improve their gu- guard play. Drew Holiday is not enough. They cannot live with Tim Frazier, Etwan Moore... All the all these subpar players uh, making up their team. It's it's really hurting. Uh, it's really hurting their post play because all the po- all the uh, the defenders are sucking into the lane, and they're not really worrying about the guards on the perimeter. So you got to improve that part. And also, I feel that Alvin Gentry needs to change his coaching style. He needs to he needs to stay, change his style to fit his team. And what I mean by that is they need to slow down the pace a little bit. I saw in a couple of the games, Pelicans games I saw with DeMarcus Cousins, he was really huffing and puffing, getting going up and down the court. And it didn't really suit what he wanted to do as a sort of a slow it down, ISO, power forward center guy. And I think that Alvin Gentry is really caught up in this run and gun with the, the, the yeah. stuff he did with the Suns and the, the Warriors, Warriors, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think he should change his style to fit his team. Definitely. That's, that's what I think. But I think a really interesting thing that the Pelicans should do is look for offers for DeMarcus Cousins. See whether you can get really? more really? more pieces for him. Because as you can see, they're, they're really lacking guard play. And they really only have two guys in their in your starting lineup who you really fear. So why not trade DeMarcus Cousins if you can get a really good offer for him and complete your team? But that's the question. I don't think they're going to get value. Given like what they gave up, I mean, they ripped off the Kings for Cousins. I don't think they're going to get good value for Cousins if they want to trade him. Especially since Cousins doesn't have a, a long-term contract right yeah. now. He's, he's a free agent next summer. I think, I think you explored that, though. Sure. I think the only way that this team works out is if they get another star player with those two. Because that, that's the only way they'll be able to attract those veteran people, veteran minimum players that are willing to take a contract, a pay cut to, to join their team. Because right now, they have a pretty lackluster roster Aside of uh, maybe Cousins, Davis, and probably Drew Holiday. Those three are probably their, their three only good players. Maybe Tyreek is like in the mid-tier. But, you know, it's either... Yeah, I agree. Tyreek Evans got traded to oh, shit, the Kings. Sorry. Yeah, also, so, so, yeah, not, that even, that, not even him. That happened. They, not even him. That's the thing, right? They traded all their guard, all their guard depth. So they have no one. Which is nothing. Yeah. They didn't have much yeah. guard depth. But they traded all of that for... DeMarcus Cousins, so it's really, really important that they reinforce that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's the only way for them to take the next step. If not, yeah, they, they need to find a way to get, get rid of probably DeMarcus for, for wow. change him for something. It's either one or the other. I don't I don't think they can be stuck in mediocrity with Davis Davis and uh sorry. And cousins, Davis and Cousins, yeah. And, and signing random players because they're not gonna be able to get someone unless they land that big fish. Once you get well, that big fish. Player, yeah. 
I mean, drafting is going to take. They don't have any draft picks. They don't have time. They don't have time unless they land in the top three. Which is thank you, Vivek Ranadive. I think LeBron land in the top three, but yeah, it's it'll it's yeah it's one or the other in my opinion. So we'll we'll have to see if they are able to land that Jimmy Butler, that Paul George. I don't know how likely that is considering the market, but you know anything can happen. Drew Holiday, big question with him. He's a free agent. Do you pay him money? Do you pay him the max? Because he's probably going to ask something near the max. Definitely not, given yeah. given his injury history. But then you lose him, and you know that's a problem, right? And I, but Drew Holiday, who's a great defender at his position. But who's going to give Drew Holiday max? There yeah. are people there because he's a great defender and he's a good playmaker. So people are going to, uh, uh, they're willing to pay him. Maybe not the max, but something close. Teams yeah, will probably I, be willing to pay him. I mean, Brooklyn a, sticks out. Brooklyn's looking for basically anybody. He's a good player, point. no doubt, but his injury his, history troubles me. That's that's true. I think yes, people that's a good at, point. Yes. Look at that injury history and like how Steph Curry got that, you know, that, yeah. that only 10-ish million dollar per year contract. I think that'll play a factor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you sign him to that money, but it's a big question for the organization. And I would say, you know, regards to trading cousins, I don't know why you would do it because... You have a competitive advantage in the NBA. Two all-star big men who can who are very versatile, who can do a lot. They're all-around big men. They can score, rebound, pass. They're great big men, and it's a great competitive advantage to have. Nobody else in the NBA you can only has take it. advantage of that. You can only take advantage of that competitive advantage if you have guards around you. I'm not saying have superstar guards, but at least have a guard who can shoot. Like an Eric Gordon. They had Eric Gordon like a, a couple of years ago. If you have guards who can shoot and keep the defense honest on the perimeter, that's when you can really take advantage of Davis and Cousins on the block. You know, frankly, I mean, it's not that hard to find shooters anymore. Now, all the players coming out of college, they all can shoot. And shooting has become a high demand. And you're seeing a lot of good shooters out there now. So I don't think it's going to be that hard to find shooters. But it's, it's really intriguing because no one else in the NBA has this advantage. And if they know how to take advantage of this that's true. pair... It's going to be pretty remarkable because if you're the Warriors, yes, they're the top, they're the benchmark in the West. But how do you guard Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the, the the Pelicans could beat them, but how do you guard them? It'll be interesting to see if the, the Twin Towers is is still viable in today's NBA with everyone moving to like the sh- the spread four. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be so step in a different direction. And before you get to the playoffs, you have to play 82 regular season games. Yeah. So that's true, yeah. but you know, I think the 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 final stretch run they they showed potential. So okay. I, well, you have to give them time. Okay, so we'll see. And that's our show, guys. So thanks for listening. We'll be sure to have more for you next week. Hopefully, we will know who the conference final. Guru, your phone went off. Oh no! <laughs> it's time to go, guys. Yes. See you guys. See, that's see that's that's our bell that we have to go. Oh yes, right. that that is our bell. We have to go. Thank you so much. Until next week, week, guys. Thank you.